crossing. And the crossing is out of Joshua 1 through 4. Kids, I know that you in uh, your elementary classes next door, you are very familiar with the big God story picture, right? And so we're plunk in the middle of the God story of the Old Testament when God freed his people from Egyptian bondage and he led them to the promised land. And so we're going to be talking again today about the Israelites and Joshua crossing the Jordan and how that's similar to us crossing our own Jordan rivers to be able to possess the promised land that God has for us. And we've titled the crossing not just because of the crossing of the Jordan, but also because we are looking at the opportunity to go to Marietta Crossings and relocate into new facilities sometimes this fall. Now, it's interesting. I had really hoped, I had really hoped at the end of this series that we were launching there in the following week. But we're going to continue this series a little bit longer uh, because we've not got full permitting and that building is not quite ready yet. And that is very frustrating to someone like me, but it's okay. God gave me a new sense of peace this week that this is his deal. In his timing, we will be a part of that crossing and land in our new facility. And uh, we're continuing to work with processing some uh, permitting issues, other things, but we are piece by piece working on it. And uh, it was interesting with my wife desiring to tell you about the earplugs. I'll just let you know that we did have the opportunity. God worked out some nice, incredible paths for a sound engineer and room uh, acoustic tech person to come in this week. And so we're going to work on that really well. Part of that helps because we have a bigger room. Um, but we want to be able to do the best we can in preparing this facility for opening day. It looks more and more like opening day is not going to be October because October starts tomorrow. But uh, it will be in November. But we will keep you posted on that. But that does not negate our challenge to be prepared, as we've talked about, as a people in spirit in our own personal lives. Because we're not uh, just preparing a building to do a crossing to move to a new location over the 215 by the In-N-Out Burger. But we are preparing our lives to be able to be used by God in that purpose. The Exodus is the story. Egypt, wandering in the wilderness... 40 years because they didn't believe God could land them there. They came up on the east side of the Jordan River, just north of the Dead Sea, and they were going to make the crossing. And the crossing into the Promised Land was a big deal because there was about a million or so of them, and they needed to cross a river at flood stage. Now, they had been on the east side, and they had done enough... uh, uh, work and labor and and taking care of things and burying their own uh, relatives, that this was a new generation that was ready to seize the opportunity that God had for their life. And so we looked at last week in Joshua 3, verse 5, he told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. So the story, remember? There they are, packed on the east side of the Jordan, rivers at flood stage, 3 to 12 feet deep most likely, spread across maybe a mile, all kinds of junk and everything else floating in the river and bushes and, and because that's just sort of the, the, the landscape of what it is. It was flood stage. And they were told to consecrate themselves and get themselves ready to do this crossing. Have you been getting yourself ready for something that's new in your life? Or are you just content camping out on the east side of the Jordan? God's continually calling us to new things. And he calls us to new things so that 
Not only may we be amazed, like, look, look what God did, but for him to be glorified. Because he's taken them to the promised land to bless them so that they could be self-centered. No. He's taken them to the promised land to bless them so that they can be a blessing for all people. And so when God moves you out in your life and takes you into some new dimensions, and whether it's a career change, whether it's a relocation, whether it's in your relationships, you know, whether it's, it's in some other kind of academic uh, pursuits that you're part of, as God moves you forward, he's moving you forward for your own fulfillment, but don't be self-centered. He's moving you forward to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. And so there they were. Wondering to Joseph, even after the spies came back checking out the land and they said, hey, they're in fear and we're, we're good to take the land. What's going to happen? And they were instructed to consecrate themselves, which means to clean up, purify themselves before God, get their hearts right, abstain from things that would be distracting to them and get ready for this move. And it was instructed that the Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's presence, his principles and his power, was to be carried on the poles into the middle of the Jordan River. And as they were to step into the water, they were to trust God for him to part the water, and that's exactly what he did. He actually didn't part it like the Red Sea. He caused the water to stand still and stand up in a big heap in a pile about 60, 90 miles up the road at a place called Adam. And so the river dried up, huge ability to cross. The ground went dry, and... The Ark of the Covenant was standing in the middle of the river. The Ark of the Covenant representing that God is the one who parts the water. God is the one who is able to make the miracles transpire in our life. And here's the generation, the new generation. I think it's interesting today when you have a a parent-child kind of a dedication, you're like you're passing from one generation and here's the next generation and then there's the next generation, right? It happens continually since... Eternity began in the beginning of time, that there's one generation to the next, but every generation needs to be able to discover the power of God that's at work in the world and the power of God that can be at work in their life. And so that's where the story is. Levites, Ark of the Covenant, middle of the river, dried up, not only the people, including their children and their babies, but their oxen and their goats and their sheep, the livestock, everybody's moving across the Jordan River. Joshua 4, verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down where you stay tonight. What's he doing? God's got something in mind. It's not only this miracle, this amazing thing that he's wanting to do in their midst then, but he's wanting them to carry forward a memory. So Joshua called together the 12 men he appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites. 
to serve as a sign among you. So he's saying, I want 12 of you to get a stone. And it wasn't like a little stone, a little pebble, right? We all know what it looks like to see the rocks and the stones underneath a river that's, that's really carried and worn those stones. But he said, pick them up and put them on your shoulder. So how big do you think it is? You carry it like this? Carry it like this? So these were some big boulders. And if you've been to Israel, you know they have a lot of stones there. And so they were to find 12 stones, the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel, but they were going to use these then for a sign that God wanted to place before all the people. Verse 6, in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Do any of you have stones in your house? Some of you do. I don't have a lot of stones. I have a few stones right beside my sink, though. And you go, why do you have stones beside your sink? Well, because I need to be reminded. Do you ever have problems with your memory? Is it sometimes said just when your face starts to clear up, your mind starts to go fuzzy? We forget. We're very forgetful people. And I don't know, it was probably two years ago, I live in Southern California, right? Being from the Midwest, I have to keep reminding myself that sometimes. I'm like, oh, I can go to the beach. So I went to the beach. It's actually Oceanside. And I was enjoying a very nice day, just sitting, reading, enjoying the view and the sound of the ocean waves. And I said to myself, why don't I do this more often? Do you ever ask yourself that? Why don't you relax, kick back, enjoy life a little bit more often? And so at my feet were these three stones. I picked them up, and I said, I'm taking these back, and every morning when I brush my teeth, I'm going to have them stacked right beside my toothbrush. Now, that might sound weird to some of you, but this is a reminder to me that I need to relax more, and I really ought to get back to the beach. Now, there's nothing more deeper, spiritually significant than that, but it's a reminder of that. Well, in a similar sense, these stones were to be a reminder to the people of Israel of what God was doing when it was about Um, to continue to do as they stepped into the promised land. And so he took them on this journey. The priests came up out of the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan And they camped at a city called Gilgal. And you see that there on the map, just north of the arrow. On the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. It's significant that he's telling them that this memorial that they're to set up is 
for the descendants because our minds go fuzzy and we forget so many good things that God has done in our life. Verse 23, the Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. These stones, these boulders, were not just for a nice little monument. Oh, wasn't that nice? Wasn't that a cool little bit? They were to represent the power of the Lord and the faithfulness of God and put a righteous, okay kind of fear in the eyes of the descendants. Every person that crossed the Jordan River, except for Joshua and Caleb and, and them, they had not witnessed the crossing of the Red Sea. Has anybody ever shared with you some incredible story and you go, yeah, 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 I remember, whatever. That's nice for you. It would probably become that way, an incredible event of God crossing, uh, parting the Red Sea and their escape from Egypt and, and the killing of Pharaoh's armies. And here they were set on the course of the promised land. Great story. We serve a great God. And the kids were going, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Does it bother you when other people don't have the same conviction and passion and appreciation for an event in your life? It's like, oh, I wish you were there. Or I, I, let me take you back and show you a video or something. Or I'm going to uh, take a vacation and, and show you this area. We want other people to remember and to experience what we've experienced. And so God said, you know, there is a problem with these, this generation moving across the Jordan and possessing the promised land. They have not experienced what their forefathers experienced. And so he provided them a fresh, genuine Miracle of the crossing of the Jordan. I think God's still like that today. Maybe you read your scriptures and you go, oh, that's nice stories to read, but it is not happening in my life. God wants to do incredible, powerful things in our life if we will but consecrate our lives to him and wait on him and obey him obediently in every step that he calls us to take. He wants us to experience him, and he wants us to never, ever forget. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. How do you remember things that God's done? You know, the stones sort of are an opaque kind of idea. But they didn't have smartphones to take pictures and videos. They didn't have the ability to, you know, photocopy things they wrote down or probably even send something by U.S. mail, whatever. To, they had to come up with monuments. And the monument that God asked them to come up with was a memorial built with boulders. Now, if you study this whole chapter 4, it appears there's, there's actually two monuments that are built. One is built at the city of Gilgal, where they camped for that first night. The other appears that they also built one in the middle 
of the Jordan River, maybe on a little bit of a precipice, rocks, and they stacked them up. And the desire was that the descendants would be able to view the memorials and remember this. Scripture says the stones are still there to this day, referring to when the scripture was actually written and put down. I've been to Gilgal. In fact, I remember Gilgal very plainly. We were very hungry. There's about 50 of us running on bicycles around Israel uh, for a period of time in my life and uh, for a whole month. And we were very hungry, and we slept at some uh, warehouse in Gilgal, and they prepared food for us. And when they brought it down, it looked like lasagna. <laughs> and I was so excited. But then we cut into it, and it was something called eggplant, which I'd never heard of before. <laughs> It was an eggplant factory. I don't ever serve me eggplant if you invite me over. That's how I remember Gilgal. Eggplant. But they remember Gilgal because there was a stone monument there. So that Israel would never ever forget God's provision and his power in their life. Here's my question to you this morning. What are the legacy stones in your life of an awesome and faithful God? What are the legacy stones? You may not have some, you know, stone monument in your house. But do you have something in your house that represents God's faithfulness to you? Do you have other kinds of ways of of sharing from one generation to the next, and whether they're your own kids or your relatives or your friends, to say, let me tell you about God. He's powerful. He's effective. And He can work in your life. Or do you just sort of blow through life from one experience to another, and there's no God story woven through it? You are passing on a legacy, whether you want to or not, to your children and even to your friends. What is that legacy you're passing on? Is it a story and a legacy of God at the center? Or is it one consumed with just the agendas of the world and your mere existence and trying to keep your own head above water because the water is not parting in your personal Jordan? What are the legacy stones that you are creating? Now, this is interesting because I I figured with family day, I could do a little bit of show and tell. I got kids. Do they still do show and tell in elementary? Am I really, really old? They call it something different? Well, show and tell meant you had a day, you bring in an item to be able to show and tell, right? So I brought a box of show and tell. This box actually comes straight out of my office. Great box, thank you. I'm not showing you the box. It's what's in the box. All right? So I'm just going to pop through a few things because these are things not only sit in my office, but they speak into my life. You're a little weird, Carrie. No, they speak into my life a remembrance of God's faithfulness, power, and purpose for me as an individual. The first one, you're going to find this a little weird, but you've got to hang with me. You, get, you know, your pastor's from the Midwest. I got my Steiger tractor. And I got a little trophy with a corn cob on the top. I want you to know, I grew up on a farm. And I worked really hard on that farm with my brothers and my dad. 
This is actually a picture of one of the combines that was posted this week on Facebook by one of the cousins. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the Midwest harvest season, sort of missed that. And so um, when I grew up, I drove these things. And it's nice to see a few of them around here. They're pretty old now, these are. But it was on this tractor, believe it or not, that God met me a lot. I memorized a lot of my scripture on this tractor. This corn cob represents we were first in the state in crops judging. I just want you to know that. <laughs> my FFA chapter, Future Farmers of America. But this represents some history to me. But when I look at my history, I remember that God met me as a young boy. When I was 15 years old, he started to get a hold of my heart. And he said, do you want to love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Do you want to serve my purposes? And I made a choice to yield my life to the Lord. A big part of that was because my parents left a legacy for me, a legacy of serving God faithfully their whole life. My dad didn't grow up in church. He came to know the Lord later. My mom's parents were Gideons. They would pass out the Bibles and schools and stuff. And that heritage was passed on to me. Now, just because your parents are believers doesn't mean that you're a follower of Jesus. You have to make the personal choice, whether you're old or you're a young person here today, to be a follower of Jesus. But the legacy they passed on to me was a legacy of faith and faithfulness at all places, at all turns. So that's one little memorial in my place here's another one some of you may know this place this here is masada masada is in israel masada was the last stronghold um, for the israelites holding out in 70 a.d from the um, romans and this little plate says shalom this little plate represents uh, Israel to me because when I was in my college years, I was able to go to Israel two different times, as I just mentioned about Gilgal. But this particular place that's on this picture, Masada, the second time I went, which was the year, the, the winter after I graduated, Masada has a lot of ruins overlooking the Dead Sea. This is overlooking just the area south of where the Jordan River was parted. I always say do everything short of selling your kids to go to Israel <laughs> because it helps the Bible come alive. The Bible is not, you know, myth and legend. It's history and the history where God acted. Now, I was taken back. I'd been to Masada before four years prior on another trip, so everybody else that was on the bicycles and we had left our bikes down at the bottom of the hill, they're all scoping it out. But God had me reading this book right here. This is a little book by the founder of our denomination, A.B. Simpson. It's called The Christ Life. And it was in this book on the top of that hill that I read Chapter 7 about the resurrected life, and it changed my identity forever. And so when I see the Shalom plaque, and this little book lays around my office, has all kinds of notes in it, everything underlined. And so I'm like, Lord, may I never forget the truth you gave me about what it means to be dead with Christ but alive to you. Then there's this picture. This picture is my seminary in Nyack, New York, overlooking the Hudson River. This is one of the pictures. And so you will find in my office... My diploma, I did graduate from seminary. Now you're going like, well, thank you very much. 
Do you know how many days I prayed, oh God, help me get through this? <laughs> not another paper, not another paper. Sort of what I'm doing now for some more graduate studies I'm trying to finish up in June. But listen, this here sits in my office. It doesn't represent, hey, look at me. This represents the power of God to take a farm kid to the East Coast out of his territory and get him equipped and prepared to do ministry. This is God's faithfulness here. This is God's faithfulness. Another picture, because you're enjoying this show and tell so much. (laughs) This here is a picture of the Ganges River. I could have gotten a more colorful picture of the Ganges River, but to be honest, it's really not colorful. The Ganges River is in Varanasi. Well, it runs through India. And I had the opportunity to go there when I was a um, uh, student in seminary. And I had the opportunity to go with a mentor of mine, as some of you would know. I praise God for having mentors in my life. I ask for them. And when I was here at the Ganges River in Varanasi, they come and they burn bodies there so they can get out of the cycle of reincarnation. These water buffalo were hanging around there as they were in many places in India. And I remember picking up the water buffalo so I would always remember the power of the gospel that you do not have to believe in some type of ongoing cycle of getting out of uh, your into better karma, but that you have a bigger story and epic that God has brought me into It wants to bring other people into where he's not only saving people from their sins and setting them free, he's putting, free, he's putting them on a course to be able to live eternally with him and to live a full life today for his purposes. In fact, I was just watching a, doc- a documentary on television last night, Discovery Channel, about Varanasi and the Ganges River. It crushed my heart as a young man to realize the masses and masses of people who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was part of what God did in my heart to give me a hunger of being an evangelist. And what we still do today when we look at making a crossing from this place to another place in this city, it's that we will be evangelists to reach people for Jesus Christ. We may not have some Hindu culture, but we have a pretty secular culture that is totally indifferent to God and is becoming harder and harder to be able to represent and present a true Christian faith to others. May I never, ever forget, God, the salvation in my life and the calling you put on my heart to be an evangelist, someone who would share the good news of Jesus Christ here and around the world. The next picture, I like this one. This is Mystic Seaport in Connecticut. I have my little bottle from Mystic Seaport. (laughs) I was courting my wife for a few years, on again, off again. She finally said, forget you. And she moved to Connecticut to be a nanny. We hadn't talked for six months. I talked her into having a lunch with me. We had a lunch that next day. We ended up getting engaged in Central Park with a blade of grass as a ring. And then the next day or the day after, we took this little trip a little further away from where she was to Mystic Seaport, which is a maritime museum, the largest one. And uh, they also have a village from the 1900s. And I remember Mystic Seaport because God finally answered my prayer. I I got married when I was 29, friend. 
God finally answered my prayer for not only a wife, but godly teammate for ministry. So this sits in my office, Mystic Seaport, and it makes me think of my beautiful wife, Melissa, and the moments we had. We got married that sometime shortly right after that. This here is a baseball. Now, this may sound weird to you, but on this baseball, it says all points, Midwest Anson. In my younger years of ministry, we took a bold step. We took a church about this size, a little bit larger this size, and we bought property out in the middle of nowhere in a cornfield close to an interstate that was supposed to have an 1,800-acre development of commercial, retail, industrial, business, residential. It was a gamble. That was a cornfield. That was the facility God enabled us to build. It's called Eagle Church. And Eagle Church is thriving today, reaching the community of northwest side of Indianapolis. The baseball represents one of the big business, one of the first big businesses that chose to move that side of town and sort of started to open up all of the growth in that area. And when we showed up for the, the sort of opening or dedication of this thing, they gave baseballs to all of us who showed up. And I showed up because I was... I was in the development game of, is this the right place to put the, put the church? God answered tons and tons of prayers about that crossing that will go untold, but that's why I have a lot of confidence about this crossing because God was faithful in moving us as a church from a storefront we were rented to a facility and a campus that's about 75 acres now. It's all paid for. It's probably worth 12 to $14 million, and there's a thriving church there operating on that side of Indianapolis. And God said, go to Southern California and let's do it again. Not that I have to see something big and a big piece of property, but it's the outreach and the dynamic that's there. And so when I see the baseball, I'm like, oh yeah, God did bring the growth. They need to know at the age of 57, I don't have time to move to a cornfield out in the middle of nowhere again. (laughs) That's why we're moving to a place that's already developed and is a prime spot for the valley at Los Alamos and the 215. And then the last one, you tired of my show and tell yet? Kids, you're hanging with me. Don't get bored. Don't tell your parents I was a really boring family Sunday because I tried to do it, right? This is a picture of Athens, Greece. In 2004, my wife and I were gifted a significant amount of resources from um, Lilly Pharmaceutical who gives sabbaticals to religious people. And we took the trip of a lifetime for our sabbatical. Several months we were gifted uh, to take away from ministry at the time. This rock, this piece of stone here, actually comes from Corinth, which is sort of around the corner from Athens. But it represents to me God's faithfulness, not only in my life, but God's faithfulness in Scripture. Can you comprehend the Apostle Paul entering that kind of world in the Greek culture and saying, let me tell you about the unknown God. His name is Jesus Christ. Totally secular, totally caught up in Greek mythology, all these different gods. No worship of Christ central at all. And Jesus took over the known Western world at that time. And those decades and centuries following. It doesn't matter how dire our country gets, 
God is still able to change and transform. It doesn't matter how far away your friend is from God. The power of God is able to part the waters in their life and they can see transformation and change. And so when this sits on my desk, I'm reminded about Paul entering the tough secular culture of his day and seeing it transformed through the power of Christ. So those are a few of my little memorials, my momentums. What what are yours? What legacy stones do you have? And if I was to walk through, I could talk about each of these to my kids and be able to say, this is what God did at this season of my life. This is what God did here. God is great and powerful. You see, we have so, such a tendency to focus on our failures rather than God's faithfulness. We focus on things of tragedy in our life rather than the triumphs. And we have to shift our thinking to be able to remember how God has worked. Even as the video showed, the greatest birthday gift you get is life itself. That you got up this morning. That you're here. You're breathing. You have hope. You have a future. Even when things don't look well financially, things don't look well uh, physically maybe, things don't look well and career-wise, you have life. And you made a choice to come and worship God today. You have reason to proclaim His goodness and His faithfulness. You see, the biggest, greatest legacy stone that you have is your very life. The greatest crossing that has to happen in people's life is to cross from a life of sin and indifference to God to a life where they want Jesus living within them. Have you made the crossing in your life to be a Christ follower? Are you still doing the two-step? I'll do a little bit of the religion here, a little bit of this there. And God says consecrate yourself for I will do amazing things within you. So you let go of the old life, you repent and you turn and say, I'm going to follow Jesus into this promised land. And the stones that are erected throughout centuries and the greatest stones that your children will ever see are your lives. I had some people on Facebook this week, high school friends that lost their dad. What do you do when you lose your dad? And you got Facebook. You put pictures of your dad up. You recall who he is. My father passed away five years ago. And when he passed away, there's five of us siblings. There's about 18 cousins and uh, you know, spouses that are involved. And I remember on that day that we walked in to view my father's casket. It was just my mom and us five kids for that first viewing. Some of you know what this is like. We had our moment. And I turned to the funeral director and I said, you can get the rest of the family to come in. He came back and he says, I, I, they're sort of doing something. I go, yeah. And so I walked into the other room where all the grandkids were and spouses. And Melissa had taken the initiative. They were all circled up and they were praying words of thanksgiving and praise concerning the life that my dad lived, who went from being a heathen to being a pretty solid Christ follower and influenced me big in my life. I wanted so much to go back into that room where the casket was with my dad and said, Dad, get up. I want to show you something. Dad, come here. Come into this room. This is the legacy that you've left because everyone in that circle has a relationship with Jesus at some level. Not perfect by any means. But the legacy, the stones that he left were the lives of his kids who were Christ followers. 
because of his obedience and my mom's obedience in many ways to raise us in the wisdom and the knowledge of the Lord. You cannot beat that memorial. So what are you leaving? What are your legacy stones? What legacy stones are you leaving so others know of the Lord? Every generation needs its own stories of when the Lord does amazing things in the midst of those who follow them. A teaching tool for future generations. A testimony to a watching world. I'm not talking about have a nice show and tell things. Merely those are good and it's important to have those reminders in a home, in your office, in in other places of life. But the legacy that I'm ultimately asking you to leave is the legacy of the living stone of your life. Three things you need to do. First is create. God wants us to go to the trouble of establishing historic markers, beginning with our own life, but maybe there's something you pass on to your kids. You know, we're all caught up here in the Supreme Court judge um, thing this week. I look at it from different angles, but I tell you what, one of the interesting things I caught during Judge Kavanaugh's testimony. (laughs) He kept a calendar of the summer of 1982. He was a 17-year-old, get out, come on. But he explained why. His dad kept a calendar, his dad kept a journal, and he passed that on to his son. And yeah, this kind of evidence trying to help clear his name on things, but isn't it interesting? You go back and you look at a calendar this week, which he had to do deeply, and he started to recall events. What do you have as living stones that you've created in your life that are historic markers that help you remember God's faithfulness, power, and call you to fear him? Remember, God cares about our remembering him and what he has done. Consistently, maybe in prayer times, maybe as you talk with your kids, Maybe as you talk with your peers, recall stories of God's faithfulness. Yes, you got problems today, but why don't you recall sometime when God really powerfully worked in your life and tell that story. Get on the bright side of God's history. And then third is to impart. God cares that our children remember him and what he has done. That's why Joshua was instructed to set up the stones, a memorial, God's purpose to instruct and teach, create, remember, and impart. It's part of the discipline that we need to be having as parents and as sojourners with others in our life. Psalm 77, 12 says, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Psalm 9, 1 says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. And Psalm 33, 8 and 9, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Can you just see some of the kids who crossed the Jordan? No bigger than some of our kids through here. And they grow up and they have their own kids. And they say, hey, we're going to take a vacation. Where are we going? Well, we're going to go from Jerusalem and we're going to, you know, walk down towards the Jordan River, and I want to take you to Gilgal. What's at Gilgal, Dad? They arrive at Gilgal, and there's the pile of stones. 
They said, this is what we came for, Dad? We could have seen these back on our way down from Jerusalem. They said, no, let me tell you about these stones. These were boulders that were buried in the bottom of the Jordan River. And I was a young kid just like you. And God pulled back the water. And a million of us walked through on dry ground. Sunny. We serve a great, awesome, powerful God. May you never, ever forget. And may you fear the Lord your God all the days of your life. Because he can work on your behalf. Wow, Dad, really? Yeah, and then Dad goes, look, I wrote my name right there. (laughs) Not. Just my encouragement. On this family day, in this crossing of the Jordan, and I believe what we're doing as a church right now, we will pass on to generations to come.